Well, if you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and 24. And I'm going to let my hair blow in the wind. You know, at least I have hair. Uh, you know, there was a... <laughs> the funny thing is... Uh, when, when, I, when I was first young and dumb in ministry, I went to a group of uh, older pastors. We had this kind of get-together for pastors at the church I was working at, and the senior pastor asked me to introduce myself, and I said, well, I'm, I'm Pastor Nathan Hurst. This is my first church I've ever worked at, and I said, I can tell uh, by, by the looks of everyone here that I'm, I'm definitely one of the younger pastors, and one of the guys chuckled and said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I, at least I have all my own hair, and that didn't go over very well. There was a few guys that had hair, but it definitely wasn't theirs. It was that store-bought hair, if you know what I mean. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 24. There's an interesting scripture here that's, I think, very important for our time. In fact, the title of this series is going to be Guard Your Heart. Guard Your Heart. In fact, Proverbs here will tell us in a moment, guard your heart, because out of it flows the issues of life. But, uh, but as, we, uh, as we get into it, let's start reading. In verse 20, my son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them. They are health to your whole body. Verse 23, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Put away deception from your mouth. Keep your lips from perverse speech. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Verse 23 is the cornerstone verse for the series. In fact, if we were at a different time and a different mode, I was going to do this series much later in the year, but it was very important that we bring it up right now. I think it's very important that we bring it up now because of the state the world is in. And it's very easy for us to get our mind displaced. It's very easy for us to get our hearts off track and off center. Verse 23, guard your heart with all diligence. If you're going to memorize the Bible, I would encourage you to memorize different passages and portions of scripture as they connect with you. This is a very good scripture to memorize. It's a very easy one to learn. Guard your heart for, with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll go to verse 8 and 9 here in just a second. But I believe in this current context we're in that we are bombarded from all angles. We are being pushed on. Man, we're being told some of our civil liberties and rights are being taken away as American citizens. We're being told that there's a deadly disease out there that can kill you in a moment if you even get an inkling of this disease. We're being told that we, are, we should be shut in inside of our house and be trapped at times even as we listen to the news and the news media to be trapped in our homes by fear. We are literally pressed on all sides. But the Bible speaks to this. This isn't the first time this has happened to a group of people or specifically believers. This isn't the first time that people like us have dealt with circumstances and had to learn how to trust God in the mix. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 Verse 8 and 9, written to a church just like us, Paul writes these words, we are pressed on all sides, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. He was talking to a church very similar to ours. He was talking to churches that spanned Corinth, and he was saying, listen, there's going to be adversaries. There are going to be people who will push down on you. There's going to be circumstances of life that will surround you. There will be moments where you will feel knocked down, but you're not destroyed. How many remember that old song in the 90s? I get knocked down, but I get up again. 
You never, anyone? I feel like singing it, but I'm the only one that can actually hear myself, so I don't want to sing too loud because I can't sing very well. But we, we hear songs like that, and you know, it's a good reminder that we don't need to give in to the pressures of life. You know, in Japan, as little kids grow up, they have these little, these little dolls, they're called Dharma dolls, and if you were born in the 80s, you had an idea of what that was. It's called a weeble. Remember weebles? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Well, the same idea is true in the Japanese idea of a, of a Dharma doll. It's a very small little doll that you push it over and it writes itself. You push it over and it writes itself. And they give them to children at a very young age to teach a child that no matter what comes against you in life, you can get back up. Not just as Americans, but as Christians, we need to have this philosophy that no matter what comes against us, no matter how much we are oppressed, persecuted, oppressed, we can get back up. Even when life is hard and difficult, that we can look at our situations and circumstances and get back up. But some of us look at verses like this and, and we read them a little wrong. We put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. In fact, some of us are too analytical like myself that we wonder, well, Paul, if you're telling us that we're going to be persecuted, I want to find out who's persecuting. I don't want to just go through the persecution. Paul, if you're telling us we're going to be stretched and pushed from all sides, I'd rather go and advance towards the enemy rather than learn how to deal with it in a spirit of meekness, kindness, goodness, gentleness that God gives us. In fact, some of us are so analytical, you're like me. You hear the song from the artist, The Weeknd. Anybody remember the song, his first big hit? Some of you are looking at me like, I don't even know who The Weeknd is. I can tell by the audience. And maybe online you know who the artist I'm talking about is. But he had this, this line in a song, and my analytical brain can't get over it. And he says, I can't feel my face when I'm with you, and I love it. And I think, wait a minute, that's not a good sign. That's a stroke, dude. This, is, this song's a call for help. Like, you shouldn't be singing this on the radio. You should be singing a doctor. But my analytical mind just can't get over the words and the lyrics. And some of us read, read passages like 2 Corinthians and we're too analytical and we can't see the promise. We can't see the good nature of God that's found in the scripture. We look at it and we think, oh my gosh, there's reason to panic. There's reason to worry. There's, there's reason in life to get upset and, and, and to really feel the, the immense pressure of the situation we find ourselves in. That's why Proverbs says, guard your heart. It's not saying that there isn't reason to look at the exterior and the outside world and wonder, God, can you, make, can you help us get through this? It's not saying that there isn't reason to look at our situations and circumstances and think, this is rough. In fact, we know now that we are living through a pandemic that we haven't seen in 100 years. It's okay to recognize that. It's okay to recognize that even through that I can have faith, hope, joy in the Holy Spirit. It's okay to recognize that even through that I'm going to thrive, not just survive. That I'm going to thrive through COVID, not just get through it. I'm going to get through it better, better than I was when it started. And some of you got a government paycheck this week that proved to you financially you're going to get through this better than when it started. God's hand was on you. Why is this so important? The enemy will tell you that you can't enjoy life, you can't connect, you can't understand, you can't push, you can't press through issues of life because it's just too damning. It's just too hard, the weight is too big, the frustrations are too real, the pressure is too mounting, yet we know that we can come to a place and understand that our faith overrides what we see, that our faith overrides what we feel because we've guarded our heart. 
that we've put away perverse language. We've put away, and perverse language doesn't mean cussing. I mean, it can mean that, but it really means that we put away anything that isn't of God. That we start putting away language that wants to get in the weeds and get in the darkness and get in the despair of life. That we put that away and we say, no, God, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to focus on your promises. They're yes and they're amen. That you have me guarded, my rear guard and my front guard. God, that you have angels that literally come around and protect me, that you protect my home. I'm going to take true to the scriptures that no plague will come nigh my dwelling, not just because I put the blood through the hyssop around my doorpost, but because Jesus' blood is washed over my heart, that I'm going to stick true to the principles of scripture, that I am his beloved and he is mine. We come to a place in our faith life where we learn how to guard our heart. We learn how to take in the effects of the world. We learn how to take in the information that's coming at us and to put it off and say, you know what? I can still remain calm, steadfast, trusted in the Lord. I don't have to give in to the pressures of this life. When we guard our heart, we become what the Bible says. We become the antithesis of what the Bible says as someone who has no faith. The Bible says the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, that he chooses one path and then the next glance he chooses another, that he can't stay singular, focused. But when we guard our heart, we have one focus in mind. We have one, in ended, we have one end, one desired end in our, in our purpose and in our view that we look towards the lens of the gospel. We look through the lens of Jesus and we know that on the other side of this, we win. That regardless of what happens in life around us, we win. See, the problem is we have a real devil and a real adversary who would do everything he could to take your life from you in a moment's notice if he could. He would kill you with a hangnail if possible. But the reality is we serve a God who's already beaten death, hell, and the grave. That even if death were to come knock on our door, death, where is your sting? You have no real power over me because the moment I transfer from this life to the next, I'm in the promise that God gives us through Jesus. That if, even if I were to get sick, I know that Jesus Christ is my healer and he always, every day heals. And even if my body doesn't heal the same way I anticipate it to, that in the end I am healed because I am restored and made new when I find heaven is my permanent home. We forget that there is truth to the scripture that says in all of it and in everything, we win. We don't have to worry or wonder. We don't have to hope for a better day that when it's all said and done, we win because Jesus won the victory. Just because, just because we have this feeling that's crossed our mind, just because we have this imagery that comes pushing through our mind, that doesn't mean we're in disbelief. I think so many of us think that we have to guard our hearts and that the moment we feel anything other than the promises of God, that the moment that we feel uncertain or unsure, that the moment the, the, the news reels become too real in our mind, that we feel that we've lost it, that we feel in those moments that, that maybe we've lost faith. You haven't lost faith, you're human. You haven't lost faith. There's, there's really something out there to look at that looks rough and hard and difficult. In fact, that's what Paul says in Corinthians. There's a real enemy. There's a real adversary. There's really something to look at. There's really a pandemic. So there's this idea in Christianity. It says, now faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. There are lines uh, that faith people use at times to tell us how to activate that kind of faith. In fact, there's a scriptural principle that says, call things are not as though they are. 
But some of us get in the mindset of calling things that are as though they're not. We say things like this, I'm not really sick. Nope, not, nope, not sick, not sick. No, it's not me. No, there's really sickness in the world. Denying that it's real doesn't do anything for our faith. Denying that it's real doesn't do anything to guard our heart. Let me give you an example. We're trying to get people to a place where in their heart, they have become so settled that regardless of what comes against them, they don't deny it, they deny it's right. They deny it's right to their life. So if I were to feel the sniffles come on, I'm not going to deny that. If I were to feel a high temperature and maybe even shortness of breath, I'm not going to deny that. I'm going to deny it's right in my life. I'm going to deny that it has any right to overtake me. I'm going to deny that it has any right to affect some disease or plague or virus in my life. I'm not going to deny the symptoms. They're real. Listen, we don't deny reality as Christians. We don't deny, we don't walk around saying, well, there is no COVID-19. It's not real. No, it's real. It's a real, it's a real virus. It's really out there and it's really killing people. I'm going to deny it's right to come near my home. I'm going to deny it's right to affect my family. I'm going to deny it's right to affect my body. See, again, it's Christendom. Sometimes we get things backwards that the scriptures say. We're not calling things that are not. I'm sorry, we're not calling things that are as though they're not. We're calling things that are not as though they are. So when a real present circumstance comes upon us, we can look at that and say, in the light of the gospel and in the light of the promises of God, you will change. You know, Jesus looked at circumstances consistently in his life and said, nope, you're not going to stay that way. In fact, one of the ways that he did it is he looked at the, the loss in humanity. He looked at the idea that humanity needed a savior. And without a savior, they wouldn't find heaven as their home. And he didn't deny the idea that there was a hell. He didn't deny the existence of hell. He didn't deny the realities of hell. He said, listen, hell, no, you're not going to win this. You're not going to win this battle. Hell, you're not going to take my people. I'm going to make a way where there was no way. I'm going to bridge the gap that they couldn't bridge on their own. He didn't deny something. He spoke something into existence. He said he was the Messiah, that he had come to seek and save that which was lost. He came to do the impossible work that all of history had been pointing to. And in a moment in time on the cross, he, came, he made that bridge a reality. He took something that was a reality and refashioned and reformed a new purpose and a new reality. If you have your Bibles again, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lead on your own understandings how you guard your heart. You learn to trust him in everything that he says that he'll do it. You learn to trust that the promises of God are yes and amen. They're real in your life. You learn to trust that this word, this Bible, the scripture is true, and it is the only pattern that we need to live our life by. We learn through scriptures like 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 9, we are pressed on all sides. We are crushed or I'm sorry, we're pressed on all sides, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We learn to guard our hearts through the process of life being real. In fact, in this moment, I can guarantee you that some of us will latch on to the idea, through COVID, I'm going to thrive, not just survive. Oh yeah, amen, hallelujah. But you know what that means? That means you have to go through it. That doesn't mean it's not real. That doesn't mean it's not a present reality. What that means is though the world is shaking in their boots, 
Though the world has nowhere to turn, though the world doesn't know what to do with the information that it's being fed, I stand on the principled promises of scripture. I stand knowing that my God won the battle. I stand knowing that Jesus Christ won the victory. And in that, calm myself. In that, I've guarded my heart. In that, I've centered myself back to the principal promises of who Jesus is. That I can say confidently, like Paul said, though I am pressed on all sides, I am not crushed. Though I'm perplexed, I don't understand it. See, too many of us want to understand in our, in our knowing. We want to understand with facts and figures. We want to understand how to work this whole thing out. Listen, I'm one of those people. I love facts. I love figures. I love looking at the raw data and figuring out, okay, this means this and that means this. And this is how you interpret these data points. I love every moment of it. But you know, that does nothing to calm my heart. It raises a whole lot of questions, especially when we look at something like a virus like like COVID-19, it raises all kinds of questions. In fact, generally, when I look at the raw data, it leaves me way more perplexed than I was when I started. But I don't have to despair even when I don't understand. I don't have to despair when life throws me something that I can't figure out with my own mental acuum. I don't have to figure it out on my own. In fact, I can look to scripture and say, God, at some point you got it. You got to take this because I can't figure it out. God, I don't really know how this is all going to work out. Let me give you an example. We're sitting, we're standing in front of a building that a few weeks ago or a few months ago didn't exist as part of our property. This building was here. These lands were here. They'd been here for many, many years, but they weren't part of Grace Family Church. In fact, we had three months left on our lease at our, our last facility. We had three months left. We had already told the owner, we're out, we're leaving. There were all kinds of issues behind that building. We needed to leave. We needed to leave in a hurry as quickly as we could. And I had no idea where we were going to end up. I thought, well, worst comes to worst, we'll have to rent a park or maybe rent a theater again, or maybe we'll rent a hotel and we'll just have to have service. And in that time frame, something that wasn't materialized in our possession all of a sudden became an option. Drove out here with a realtor. We looked over the property. We brought our elders out. They looked over the property. And eventually we all said, yes, this needs to be the building that we take up. And in a short amount of time, something that wasn't became a reality. We didn't deny the idea. I didn't deny it and get, wake up every morning and say, well, bless God, if worse comes to worse, we're just going to stay in this building, even though we told the owner we're leaving. I didn't deny that. I knew God would come through. Now, let me tell you something. As a pastor, everything that needs to happen to transition from one building to the next, three months is not a lot of time. Not a lot of time at all. Three months is not a lot of time in a generic uh, real estate deal. But we knew we were going to make the transition. We knew God would answer our prayers. And we looked at all kinds of buildings all over the, all over the Quad Cities. We looked at different uh, sets of facilities. We looked at facilities in different locations. We weren't even sure about this one, except God started to narrow our vision to close the doors so that we were singularly focused. And this became the place that now we call home. In your life, Jesus will do the same thing. He will help you if you guard your heart to narrow down the options so you don't have to figure it out. You don't have to rely on your own understanding, but you can look and narrow down the options and go, okay, yes, God, your plan, your promise, your scriptures, your word is true. He will help narrow and reign in your vision if you'll allow him. It says that, Paul says that they were pressed on every side. Listen, it feels in this time, 
that if we don't guard our heart correctly, we feel the bombardment coming from everywhere. We can't leave our homes. The news is telling us it's only getting worse and not better. Some of us can't even go to our jobs. Some of us may have been laid off from our employment. It really feels like from every angle, we're getting pressed, but we're not crushed. We're getting pressed to the point of breaking, but we know that we have a God on the inside of us who's stronger than anything that's, on the, that's in this world. We know that we have a God on, on the inside of us that pushes back even harder than the world would want to push in on us. When we guard our heart, it doesn't mean that we die to the acknowledgement of a real world and real world problems. When we guard our heart, we come to a place where we understand that from it flows the issues of life. And if we're going to remain happy, if we're going to remain at peace, if we're going to remain steadfast in the love of God, we have to come to a place where we say, God, you, you, you get it. You get this burden. You get to have this. You get to have this injunction in our life. You get to take on the weight of it, Lord. In fact, some of you right now need to be doing that with your bills because they're stacking up. Again, no fault of your own, no employment because of this disease. You need to look God in the face and say, listen, you got some bills to take care of and trust him that he will. Some of you, there's fear that's built up in your heart and you need to give it over to Jesus and Jesus, this is not my emotions. These are not my fears. God, I got to give it to you. This is yours, God. Take it, take it. Some of us have got to come to a place where we recognize guarding our heart is more about letting go than anything else. Everything that we experience in life is real, but it's only real on a temporal pattern. It's only real for a moment. So if we feel fear, it's, it's real. If we feel hurt and pain, it's real. If we feel angst from the life that we're in and from the oppression of all the outside news and news sources and everything that they're telling us, it's real. It's real to feel these feelings and to have these experiences, but they don't have to define us. They don't have to tell us, they don't have to manage our emotions for us. They don't have to tell us how we should react. In fact, we need to come to a place where we look to Jesus above all of the feelings, the pressure, the mounting pressure of life to guard our heart and say, God, this is yours. 2 Corinthians 2, chapter, or, or chapter 4 and verse 8 again, we're pressed on all sides, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. That when we guard our heart, that we have an opportunity to let go and let God, to let go and let God have his way. If you read your Bibles, if you're, if you're really familiar with the scripture um, here in Proverbs, and maybe some of you have read it over many, many different times, verse 23 in chapter four of Proverbs, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. If you really study it out, what the, what the Proverbs are saying, is that we should create like a circle around our heart, that we should encompass it with all of the good things of God. In fact, later on in the New Testament, we read whatever's good, whatever's pure, whatever's righteous, think on these things. That we come to a place where we, we take our heart, the emotional core, the centerpiece of who we are, where all of our emotions from, come from, all of our frustrations come from, all of our hopes and dreams come from, we take our heart and we set a guard around it. We don't allow just anything to penetrate. We say, nope, that thought, that thought can't come in. 
That's not of God. No, that feeling can't come in. That's not of God. Not saying that you don't feel them in the moment, but you don't allow them to become part of the core and centerpiece of who you are. Guard your heart with all diligence. And then it says, for out of it flows the issues of life. Maybe your Bible says, for out of it comes a wellspring of life. Or maybe for some of you, it might say, for out of your heart comes life itself. This context here that the that's being played out in Proverbs is the idea that from your heart, once you let it settle in, refocus, that out of the heart is what you will start to experience. So if you don't guard your heart well and all you see is panic and pain and fear and anxiety, eventually that's what you're going to experience. But if you guard your heart well, and you allow your heart to be dictated by the scriptures, you feel love and peace and mercy and joy and grace from God, eventually that's what you'll experience. See, the hard, the hard reality is when we look at our lives, we can generally know how well we've been guarding our heart. What are you feeling? In moments of frustration, you're allowing yourself to feel frustration more than anything else. In moments of fear, you're allowing yourself to feel fear more than anything else. You're allowing your, your heart, the centerpiece of who you are, to feel fear more than anything else. That's why the Bible's so very clear. Guard your heart. Watch what you take in. Watch the movies that you see. Watch the news that you take in. Watch the conversations that you have. Guard your heart because eventually you're going to get what you've placed there. In fact, the reality is the person that we look at in the mirror every morning when we get up is not the true us. It's not who you are in that moment. The person you look at in the mirror every moment that you wake up is a person that you have allowed to come into shape and to focus in days past. A good example is our diet. You take in food, right? And all of us, uh, hopefully you like to eat like I do. You can obviously tell I like to eat. And some of us, man, we take in garbage food at times. In fact, yesterday, my wife did not help us at all on this COVID-19 diet. She made a whole big plate of brownies. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know I can't say no to brownies. If you're going to cook brownies, at least throw all the milk away. So I'm not as tempted. But of course, we've got three gallons of milk in the refrigerator just to be safe. The boys love drinking their milk. And so what is the first thing I go to after dinner, after I've settled, it's later in the evening, I want a quick snack, what do I go to? That plate of brownies. Now what I can't say to myself is, okay, I ate those brownies now, calories be gone. No, they're really there. What I have to do is start to refocus and refire, refocus my intention. Now I might have eaten a plate of brownies, but I'm going to have to do some work to burn it off. In fact, I can call those things that are not as though they are. I can tell myself, self, you're going to do the right thing. You're going to get on the exercise equipment. You're going to work hard to burn off some of those calories. But what I can't say is, self, you didn't eat that brownie at all. I can't call things that are as though they're not. Although you might have taken in those calories, don't worry about it. Calories don't count today. It's Saturday. It doesn't work like that. We come to a place in understanding the promises of God, the intention of the Holy Spirit, when we say, listen, I'm going to guard my heart because out of it flows the issues of life. Just like keeping to a diet, I'm going to keep what I hear. I'm going to keep what I say. I'm going to keep the conversations I have centered around the promises of scripture. This is one of the most important times to do that because it strengthens us. It builds up our faith life so that we can withstand any one of the fiery arrows of the devil. It's called the shield of faith. We build our shield of faith as we learn 
at this impasse and this juncture to guard our heart, our heart because out of it flows the issues of life. 